All right. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, man. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, if you're new this morning, I'm, my name's Zach. I'm the pastor here at the church. And man, we're so glad you're here as you join us in this Christmas week. Man, seven days till Christmas. Everybody done with everything that's ready to go? A couple of you guys, right? Um, I, we're, we're, we're about that way, but man, we got a lot going on. Uh, as Ryan said, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like Christmas just gets busier and busier. And, and it's not always a bad thing, but it's easy to maybe kind of miss out on some of the, the, the important parts of Christmas. So for the next little bit of time, if you'll just kind of do this with me, um, let's just not worry about anything else happening today. Like, it doesn't matter you know, if you got to go to the mall, don't worry about that. If you got a party this week, don't worry about that. Let's just focus in on what God's wanting to say to us today. But before we do that, I want to just forecast out a couple of things for you um, this next week. So and when you came in in your, uh, your, your chairs, you got an invite card to our Christmas Eve services. So this is to invite you to come, but it's also for you to take this and use it as a way of inviting somebody else. So if you want to put these out, maybe you're a business owner, put these out in the lobby. If you want to take these with you wherever you go, if you're going to lunch today, you want to give this to the waiter, the waitress, or the server, make sure and do that, but give a very good tip along with it. Um, and so we want to encourage you to do that. So uh, next Saturday, or um, Saturday, yeah, Christmas Eve, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock, um, those two services. So don't miss out on that. If you are going to be here, um, we, we need some help in the seven o'clock hour, um, to help with our kids program. We're doing a Christmas party, uh, kind of for Jesus thing with the kids down there. And so it's going to be a great time, but we need some extra volunteers. So if you're going to be around, you'd be willing to give that, that extra hour that night. Uh, I want to encourage you to do that. So you can let us know on your connection card, or you can email the church this week as we do that. Then Christmas day on that next Sunday. So a week from today, we're not going to be meeting here together and we were going to do something, but we're going to change it. So we were going to post a video. Um, and I don't know if you would have watched the video or not. And and that's just kind of one thing, but I thought it would be a whole lot more fun if we could actually have some interaction on Christmas, even though we're spread out. So here's what I want to do is I want to personally invite you to join me and my family to come to our house on Christmas Day-ish. Here's what I mean by that. Let's throw that slide up if we don't mind. So we're inviting you to join us at five o'clock on Christmas Day on Facebook Live. Now, how many of you guys know what Facebook Live is? All right. Everybody else, you have seven days to figure it out, okay? So Facebook Live, it's very easy. So here, some of you guys are like, I'm not on Facebook. You know, Facebook, I'm not, listen, just get on Facebook. If for no other reason than just for this and you can get off of it, I don't care. But Facebook Live is basically, it's a way, I wanna be at my house with my family in our living room or wherever. We'll be celebrating Christmas and we're gonna go live and you can actually go live with us. So you can go on your Facebook page. Um, you can go on, we can interact, you can comment in. We're gonna do some drawings, some giving giveaways. Um, we're not gonna sing because I can't hear you sing too and I don't wanna do a solo, but we're gonna be just doing that. And I wanna share just a short devotion that we were gonna put up on a video, but we wanna do it that way so we can have some more fun together. Now listen, if this doesn't work, which I think it will, But if this doesn't work, we don't have to do it again. But we want to try this out because I think it's going to be a great time. So if you're like, well, I'm busy at five o'clock, what am I going to do? It records it. So you can actually go back and you can watch it later. You can't win the prizes, but you can go back and watch it later with whoever you're with. And so next Sunday, five o'clock, Facebook Live, if you're still kind of like, Zach, I have no idea how to do that. Find somebody younger than you and ask them. 
All right. And they'll, they'll get you all hooked up. All right. And then on the first, um, uh, of, of January, we're going to have one service here at 11 o'clock. And so want to encourage you on those three things. So this morning though, we want to continue our Christmas series called picture this. And the big idea for the series, if you take out your note sheet uh, and write some of this stuff down this morning, um, the big idea is this, is that a picture doesn't always tell the whole story. That, that a picture doesn't always tell the whole story. And we've given examples about that kind of over the past couple of weeks. And I have a couple more, but here's a question I want to ask you. Have you ever seen a picture and it left you struggling to understand how they actually did that? So I came across this picture and um, it's, it's a picture of this guy who um, it looks like he's like from like, you know, I don't know, 1800s with his like sh- you know, short, shorty pants or whatever. And, and he's holding, you know, this, this girl up who looks like she's being drug away, drug away by, you know, or blown away by a hurricane. I don't know, whatever. But, you know, so you can't look at that picture and it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. But, you know, how did they do that? I mean, how is she going to jump and they're going to snap the picture just at the right time, you know? Well, if you kind of go to another picture, go to the next one. Here's how they did that. So they, you know, she was sitting on a ladder, right? So pretty clever, okay? But you look at that and it's kind of like, how, how did that happen? How did they make that happen? Well, then I came across some other pictures and I've seen these before, but genuinely, I don't know how somebody could do what they can do when it comes to this. Look at looks in this street art. So what that looks like are, are two guys who are kind of reaching out over this, this uh, you know, kind of cavern, this, this cutout tunnel type thing. But what the truth is, is that's actually a flat surface. And the artist drew it and painted it in a way where it looks like that that guy's kind of dangling over the edge. So here, here's another one that I came across. Um, that's actually the pavement. And so I'm, I look at that and I say, how can that happen? Like, how can somebody take a flat surface and actually make it look like there's this massive chasm? Here, here's the third one I saw. And this one, was, this one baffled me. I mean, look at that. That is so cool, right? Because when, when, we, when we look at certain things and we come across pictures or different things, and, and it can leave us sometimes asking the question, how can that happen? Like trying to understand, how can somebody actually do that in, in reality? Well, life is the same way, isn't it? You know, you come across things in life, something happens in your life. Maybe you've got a, uh, an illness that's been diagnosed, or maybe you're trying to find what the illness is. Maybe you, um, you, you got laid off, you lost your job, and you're trying to understand why you lost your job, but the person who's across the cubicle from you who doesn't do half the work that you do still has their job, you know? You're trying to, you know, look around and say, okay, why is my marriage not going so well when it seems like these other people are all having great marriages. And, you know, you come across these things in life and it leads you kind of wondering and asking the question, you know, how, why? You're struggling to understand. Well, faith is the same way. That if you follow Jesus for very long, then you're gonna come across things in your life, in your faith. Maybe it's a promise of God in the Bible. And you read that promise, you read that verse and you, you begin to think to yourself, okay, how is that possible? How could God actually do that? Maybe you look at the story of Christmas. And you look at the story of Christmas and you're saying, okay, how could God really allow a virgin to become pregnant? Is is that true? You know, how how could God become flesh and blood? And you're struggling to understand, or maybe God is leading you to do something or he's leading you through a certain situation and you're, you're, you're struggling to understand why you, why now? Why is God allowing this to happen to you? Why is God not answering the prayer that you've been asking him for so long? See, in, in life, we're going to come across things that, that we're not going to understand. 
And that struggle to understand is something that we're all going to face. And when we struggle to understand, we have two choices. We can either choose to trust God and go where God is wanting us to go, do the things God's wanting us to do, or we can sit back and allow that struggle to understand, that lack of understanding to, to paralyze us, and we can stay stuck where we are. And this morning, we want to look at the story of Mary, the story of Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, because Mary found herself in, in a situation that was difficult to understand, that came with it with a lot of uncertainty. And she had to ask, ask that question, the same one that we have to of, okay, am I going to trust God even though I'm struggling to understand how all this is going to work out? Or am I going to stay stuck with where I am because I don't have all the answers? So let's read this together in Luke chapter 1. And we'll go through the story of Mary and then talk about how it can speak to maybe where you are today. It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, who is Elizabeth, right? Elizabeth is the wife of the priest Zechariah, who we talked about two weeks ago, who they were unable to have children. God came to Zechariah and said, listen, I'm going to give you a child and you know, I'm going to work in your life. You've been able, unable to have kids your whole life. You're older, but in this miraculous way, I'm going to allow you guys to conceive a, a child together. And this child will become a, a man who was known as John the Baptist, who became what they called the forerunner of Jesus, who began to tell people that the savior of the world, the, the long awaited rescuer was, was here and was coming. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, sorry, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. So we have this young girl, Mary. She's engaged to a man named Joseph, who we talked about last week. And they're in the period of their engagement where they've announced their engagement. And now there's a year-long period where they're waiting before they actually have the marriage ceremony and they, they become husband and wife. So they're in this period of waiting. An angel comes to Mary and says, greetings, you who are highly favored, meaning this, hey, God's been watching you. Hey, God has something for you. And here's her response. She says, verse 29, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. So an angel shows up and she says, hey, I've got a word from, me, from the Lord for you. God's got something special for you. He's been watching you. And he, he wants you to do something for him. I would be a little disturbed, a little, a little kind of nervous about that too. Like, hey, what is God going to ask? And here's what he says. He says, do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So the angel comes to her and says, Mary, here's what God has in store for you. Is that you're going to conceive a child. That child will be the son of God. God in flesh and blood, the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Rescuer, who your people, the Jewish people, have been waiting for and the world has been waiting for for hundreds of years. And you're going to give birth to this son and you're going you're gonna, to, he'll be, he'll be the, the, the very great, the son of the most high. And he's going to reign forever. And then verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? She asked the question, but how? Like, help me understand. I see what you're saying. I'm going to 
get pregnant. I'm going to have give birth to the Son of God. He's going to be this long-awaited Savior. But help me out a little bit. Okay, how is this going to happen? And here's what the angel says. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she was conceived, she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. So Mary says, okay, how's this going to happen? Now, here's what's interesting. Is that the angel doesn't rebuke her. Doesn't give her a hard time for asking that question. That question of how can this happen? It doesn't show a lack of faith. She's just honestly trying to understand. She's saying, okay, here's what you're telling me. Here's what I understand about life. Help me bridge this gap. Help me to understand. And the angel says that God's power is going to make this happen. And just so you know, God can do miraculous and powerful things. Your relative Elizabeth is six months pregnant. Because the word of God, God's promises will never fail. And here's Mary's response, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. See, Mary, go back to verse 34. Mary asked that question, but how can this happen? Help me understand. You know, Mary found herself in a situation where what she understood and what God said weren't quite matching up. It wasn't a lack of faith. It wasn't that she didn't believe. She was just struggling to understand. And in that place, in that moment where she had to choose, do I allow my lack of understanding, my struggle to understand, do I allow this uncertainty to keep me stuck? Or do I trust God and allow God to do in and through me everything he says he's going to do? You see, we find ourselves in very similar situations. Not the exact way that Mary was going to be used by God. None of us have been called to give birth to Jesus Christ. But we find ourselves in situations where we come across a promise of God in the scripture. We come across, you know, God's, you know, a command. And we say, he says, live this way. And we think, well, how is that actually possible? Can we really live that way in our time, in our culture? We start going through a hard time and God says, listen, I'm going to use this for your good. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, make the most of this for my glory. And you're wondering, God, how can you really do that? How's that going to happen? And see, when we find ourselves in those situations, we've got to make the same decision that Mary had to make. Are we going to stay stuck in our struggling to understand or are we going to trust God? Write this down. Here's what we need to understand about today is that struggling to understand can leave us stuck. That if we're not careful, struggling to understand uncertainty in life, not fully understanding what God is doing and why he's doing it, that struggle to understand can leave us stuck. But trusting God, trusting God can take us where God wants us to go. So the choice is to stay stuck in our lack of understanding or to trust God and where he wants us to go. Look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's a very familiar verse, but it speaks directly to this choice we have to make. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you the path to take. 
The writer says, listen, don't stay stuck because you're struggling to understand. Don't depend on your ability to understand. Trust God and allow him to take you where he wants to go. Allow him to do all the things he wants to do in and through your life. And so here's what I want to talk to you about for the time we have today is in the angel's conversation with Mary, I believe that he gives Mary five things to depend on. Mary had a lot of stuff she didn't know, but there were five things the angels shared with her. And there are five things that I believe as followers of Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in him today, that when you face that struggle to understand, you face that uncertainty in your life, that you can choose to trust him and move forward, even though you don't know all the details. Five things that we can depend on when we don't understand fully what God is doing. So write these down with me. First one is this, is that when we face a lack of understanding, we're struggling to understand. The first thing we need to do is we need to learn to depend on God's grace. We need to learn to depend on God's grace. Look what the angel said to Mary in verse 28. It says, Gabriel appeared to her and he said, greetings, favored woman. Now, favored woman meant that, hey, God has put his favor on you, that God is, is calling you to something. God is, is gonna give you uh, uh, his grace. He's gonna invite you in to, to something that he's doing, right? Now, now the very definition of grace is, is God's unmerited, unearned favor. So grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of debate kind of, of, you know, in some different, you know, branches of Christianity, you know, how should we view Mary? You know, and there's some that, you know, they don't, you know, we don't really put a lot of focus on her at all. Then others put maybe too much focus on her. But here's the thing. Mary was just an everyday, ordinary person. She was a young girl planning a wedding. She was looking forward to Mary and Joseph and beginning their family together. But God comes to her and says, Mary, I want to use you by my grace and through my grace to be part of something bigger than you could ever possibly imagine. And it was his grace given to her that not only called her to be part of the birth of Jesus, but enabled her to play the role that she was gonna play. See, and we know that Mary had a very realistic perception of who she was because look at Luke 148. It says, for he, talking about, yeah, this is Mary talking, that he, God, took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She says, listen, I was just a servant. I was just a vehicle. I was the tool that God was gonna use. And he says, all generations are gonna call me blessed, not because of what I did, but because of what God did in me. See, when God leads us into something, he does so by his grace. When God gets us through something, he does so by his grace. See, God's grace is what calls us to be used by him and empowers us to be able to be used by him. So, so what does that mean practically? Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thanked God for that difficult situation you're going through? Have you ever thanked God that he chose you to go through that job loss? Have you ever thanked God that he, that he called you and, and has enabled you and wants to use you through this illness? Because see, Mary could have been bitter 
Mary could have been upset. Mary could have stayed stuck in, God, why me? Why am I going to have to be this unmarried woman who gets pregnant and have to try to explain to everybody that it was, it was, it was God? How am I going to explain to my fiance that I'm pregnant now, but don't worry because it's God's baby? Like, how, how am I going to do all that? And she said, listen, God, God has called me. God in his grace has chosen me. And she became thankful even for the difficulty that God brought to her life. And see, if we're going to trust God, even when we don't fully understand, we've got to change the way we view hardship in our life. And we've got to realize that when God calls us to something, he does so by his grace. And even the difficulty in our life that we face, he is the one who calls us because he has a purpose for us. Look at what Paul says in, um, in 1 Timothy 1.12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work, that he considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Paul says, listen, I thank God because he, through his grace, has considered me trustworthy enough to allow me to do and to go through the things that he's brought me through. Listen, it could be the reason why God is allowing you to go through that difficult situation is because God knows that you're trustworthy. That God knows that you're gonna do the right thing. God knows that you're gonna allow that difficulty to bring him glory. Not because of who you are, but because of his grace in your life. And so when we don't fully understand why and how and why not, we can depend on the fact that God's grace has brought me to this place and God's grace is going to get me through it. Here's the second thing we can depend on when we're struggling to understand. We can depend on God's presence. Look at Luke 128. What the angel says to Mary is this, is that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. He says, listen, what you're going to go through, what you're going to be a part of, you're not doing it by yourself, that the Lord is with you that the Lord is gonna be there by you when you're walking through the streets and the, the people are, 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 are whispering behind you because you're pregnant and you're not married. Listen, the Lord is with you. When you're gonna have to travel on this, this, this long journey on the back of a donkey, this uncomfortable journey to go and, and to go to a place called Bethlehem, the Lord is gonna be with you. Mary, whenever you know, you're gonna go and go to a place and have to give birth in a barn, the Lord is gonna be with you. When you have to flee with your family because Jesus' life is at risk because of King Herod, guess what? The Lord's going to be with you. When you have to allow people to talk bad about your son because of the ministry that he's doing, the Lord's going to be with you. When you have to stand there and watch your son die on a cross, the Lord is going to be with you. See, Mary didn't understand, but Mary could depend on the fact that the Lord was going to be with her. And see, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have that same promise. We have that same promise. That everywhere we go, everything that we go through, everything that we face, everything that we can't fully understand, we are not alone. But the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Look at what um, the writer says in Hebrews 13.5. It's the words of God. It says, God has said this, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God makes you two promises. As his 
son or his daughter, as those who follow him. He says, never will I leave you. You will never be away from me. You will never be alone. You may feel alone, but you're never alone. You may not see me, but you're never alone. People close to you might leave you hanging. You feel like nobody's there for you, but you're never alone. And he says, and never will I forsake you. Never am I going to let you down. You never have to worry of whether or not I'm going to show up, whether or not I'm going to come through, whether or not I'm going to keep my promises. And so no matter what we face, no matter how hard we struggle to understand, we can depend on the fact that God says, I will always be with you. I'll always be with you. How is he with us? He's with us through his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in our life. Third thing we can depend on, though, is not just God's presence in our life. We can also depend on God's power in our life. We can depend on God's power in our life. Look at Luke 135. So the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. So Mary says, okay, how is this going to happen? How is this going to work out? How am I going to be the mother to the Savior of the world? And the angel says, by the power of God. Doesn't give a lot more details than that. He said, by God's power. That the power of God will come upon you. The, the, the Spirit of God, the presence of God, it's going to overshadow you. Listen, and, and God is going to work out what seems to be impossible to be worked out. See, because God's power is the, the difference that, 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 that we have. God's power makes the difference in our ability to do the things and even desire the things that God wants us to do. Look at Philippians 2.13. Paul writes this, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So when it comes to trusting God, even when we struggle to understand, God not only gives you the power to do what you need to do, he also gives you the power to desire to do what you need to do. Well, so here's the question, though, if we're being honest. What happens then when we don't desire to do what God wants us to do? What happens when we don't feel like it? What happens when we don't feel like we have the power to do what God's calling us to do? What happens when we feel overwhelmed? What happens when we, we don't see and don't have confidence that God can show up? Have you ever felt powerless? Have you ever kind of read that and said, okay, God gives me the desire. God, why do I not have that desire right now? It says, God gives me the, the power to do what pleases him. God, why does it feel like I don't have the power to do what pleases you? Well, in every situation where we don't feel the presence of God and we don't feel the power of God, it has nothing to do with God. Let me say that again. If you don't feel the presence of God, if you don't feel the power of God, it has nothing to do with God. Now, we want to blame God for not being close. We want to blame God when we don't feel his presence. We want to blame God when we don't feel his power. But it has nothing to do with God. It's our problem. But you see, the Holy Spirit, God's presence in our life, it's like a pilot light. So if you know anything about pilot lights, I don't know a lot, but I know this much, that a pilot light is what you light and it stays lit. So the, the Holy Spirit is like that pilot light. As a follower of Jesus, you always have God's presence and God's power in your life. 
But for a pilot light to really make a difference, for it to, 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 to expand energy, for it to provide your heater to actually be able to heat well, you have to fuel that pilot light. And when you give more fuel to the pilot light, the pilot light grows larger and then the, the power within that pilot light becomes more substantial. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. See, we always, as followers of Jesus, have the power and the presence of God. But if we're not feeding, if we're not fueling that, that pilot light, that power, that presence is never going to be more than just simply being there. And so the same way that we need to do the things like we would fuel the the pilot light, we've got to do the things that are going to fuel the spirit in us. Listen, if, if you're not reading the Bible consistently and you don't feel God's presence, it's not God's problem. It's the fact that you're not spending time with God. If we don't feel the power of God in our life, we don't feel his presence and we're not praying on a regular basis. It's not that God's not there. We're not fueling that. See, we've got to be fueling the power and the presence of God in our life by doing the things God has called us to do. That's how we find the power. That's how God gives us the desire. Listen, if you don't have the desire to read your Bible, the thing you need to do is read your Bible. If you don't have the desire to pray to God, you need to stop what you're doing and force yourself to pray to God. If you don't feel like you have the power to get through the situation you're going through and it makes you want to run away from God, you need to fight as hard as you can to run toward God. Because that is how you get the presence and the power of God fired up in your life. And so we need to depend on God's presence and God's power to make sure that we're doing the things that is going to fuel that and that we're not doing the sinful things and the things that are going to take us away from God's presence and power and minimize that. Does that make sense? So we we can depend on God's presence and his power. Here's the fourth thing, is that when we don't understand, we struggle to understand, we can also depend and look at how God is working in the lives of other people. Look at what the angel tells her. Now, Mary doesn't ask God for a sign. She just says, hey, how's this going to happen? She doesn't say, okay, give me a sign. Like, let me know this is really God talking. She doesn't, she doesn't ask that because why? She's choosing to have faith. But she says, help me to understand. And so the angel gives her a sign, gives her another way to have confidence, even though she's struggling to understand. Says this in verse 36, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Listen, the way God works through the lives of other people can also encourage us in how we're asking and wanting him to work in our life. Have you ever heard somebody share their their faith story? And they they talked about maybe their background or maybe something they'd gone through and you were like, oh my gosh, that's that's my background. Or I've been through that exact same thing. Or maybe God showed up in their life and God did something he had promised. He, he showed up and he worked in their life and you said, oh my goodness, man, if God can work in their life, man, surely he can work in mine. But you see, the stories that we share of how God works in our life, they're not just our stories meant to encourage us. They're our stories meant to encourage other believers as well. That's why it's so important that we live life in community with other people. So that when we go through hard times, other people can identify and we can identify with the hard times they've gone through. So that when God works in our life, that we can tell other people that and other people can get encouraged because of that and they can share how God worked in their life and you say, oh my gosh, God really is gonna work. 
The angel said, listen, if you want some proof, which you, you didn't ask for, but let me give you something to encourage you. Your relative, Elizabeth, unable to have kids her whole life, now she's older in life, older age. Guess what? She's six months pregnant. And guess what happens after Mary becomes pregnant, after Mary conceives Jesus? Where does she go? She spends three months with Elizabeth. Why? I think she needed to see God working in somebody else's life. Listen, don't ever underestimate how God has worked in your life. So I went to, I went to a Christian college, and so we had this joke, and it's not very funny, but it was kind of the joke that went around, is we, we would always talk about building up our testimony. And it was like the excuse that some people use to do things that God wouldn't want them to do. So it was kind of like, all right, I got to build my testimony, meaning this is that I've been kind of a good person, a good kid, a church kid my whole life. I got to go out and do something sinful. I got to go out and kind of be a little wild so that I can build my testimony up. And, And here was the premise, though, behind it was who cares about my story that I grew up in church, that I got saved when I was seven years old, that I never did anything wrong like that? Who's going to identify with that? Because we all, we all want the story of the, the, you know, the drug dealer in Los Angeles. I don't know why Los Angeles has picked a place, right? But the drug dealer in Los Angeles who you know, went from selling crack to selling Jesus. You know what I mean? Like Everybody's like, that's the story everybody wants to listen to. Nobody's going to read my blog about how I went to vacation Bible school seven years in a row. You know? It's like, oh, man. Man, God really worked, you know? But here's the thing. We can underestimate that and think, that doesn't, nobody cares about that. Or maybe we've got a story where, man, God really rescued us from some things and we think, man, I, I may be too ashamed to even share that because all the church people, they never struggled like I did. See, the reason why God needs both is because my story is gonna connect with somebody who might not connect with their story. But their story is gonna connect with somebody who might not connect to my story. Because everybody's story, everybody's faith journey, it has value. But it only has value if we share it. It only has value if we tell it. See, we can encourage other people and be encouraged by God's work in other people. Now, last one is this. The last thing we can do to depend on is God's present and past promises. So when we're struggling to understand, and we we don't know what God's going to do, we don't know how God's going to do it, what we can depend on to trust him is his past and present promises. Look what the angel says in Luke 137. He says, for the word of God will never fail. The word of God will never fail. The, The New King James Version says it this way, and I like this translation. It says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. So listen, when God promises something, God does it. There's no promise that God says that he cannot fulfill. That every time God's word says something, it's gonna come about. So when God says that he can give us peace that that goes beyond any ability we have to understand, God can give you peace. When it says that God can give you hope in the midst of a hopeless situation, guess what? God has the power to give you hope. When it says that he's going to use all things for somehow good, if you'll love him and trust in him, guess what? He'll take all things in your life and he's going to use those for good. Because the word of God never fails. Nothing 
will be impossible for God. Do you feel like you're in an, in an impossible situation right now? Do you feel like, I mean, let's just be honest. We, we find ourselves there, right? Do you feel like that challenge you're going through that you have no idea, no idea how you're going to get through it or are you going to get through it? That sickness that you're going through, God says he's going to give you peace, even when you don't understand why. Do you, do you really believe that? Or do you feel like, I'm never going to find peace in this? With God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Because his past and present promises tell us this. Look at this one final verse, 2 Peter 1.4. Peter says this, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and to escape the world's corruption by human desire. Here's what Peter's saying. is because of the promises of God, we can have hope. Because of the promises of God, we can get through whatever we're going through. Because of the promises of God, we can learn and depend on God and trust him even when we're struggling to understand that because of God, because of God, we don't have to stay stuck in uncertainty. We can trust God and allow God to work in our life and take us and do in and through us all the things he has in mind if we'll choose to trust him. See, struggling to understand can leave us stuck. Are you stuck right now? Is the uncertainty of what you're going through paralyzing your ability to go forward? If so, we need to realize this, that trusting can take us to where God wants us to go. And here's the last question. Here's kind of the takeaway from today. It's a question I want you to allow God to ask your spirit. Where in my life am I stuck and struggling to understand? Where in your life, where in my life, where are we stuck? Where are we struggling to understand? Where do we find ourselves looking for answers and not really finding what we're looking for? What situation are you going through? What relationship are you, are you wrestling with? What trust in God, what, what next step is God calling you to? That you just feel stuck because you're trying to figure it all out. You're trying to get all the answers, but God's not giving you the answers. Listen, God never promised us every answer, but he promised that he's going to give us what we need to trust him and allow him to take us where he wants to go. See, the cool part about the Christmas season, the Christmas story, is that we can see how God worked in and through the lives of ordinary people just like us who, you know, like Zachariah had to struggle to believe. Or who Joseph, who had to struggle to be brave. And Mary, who found herself in, in a place where she struggled to understand. But at each point, we see this, is that God worked even through that struggle. He worked even through those times. And Jesus was born. And as we're going to talk about on Christmas Eve, but that's not the full picture of the story of Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial death and he rose from the grave in a glorious way. And because of that, we don't have to stay stuck. 
And so this morning, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing this new song together. And it's a, a song that just you know, helps us understand that God is calling us to come to the altar, to come to his presence and to lay down before him everything that we're wrestling with. Every uncertainty, every doubt, every struggle and choose to trust him. And, and to remind ourselves today of how, why we can trust him, I wanna invite you to, during this time of response, to take the Lord's Supper with me. The Lord's Supper is what Jesus gave to us, the church, to remind us of his body, the, the broken body of Jesus given for us. And so we take a piece of bread and when we eat that, it reminds us that Jesus has given his body for us. And we take a cup and that cup reminds us of the blood that was shed so that we can have forgiveness of sin and we can be made new and be healed in our life. And when we take that bread and drink that cup, it reminds us of what Jesus has done and it gives us courage to trust him more and more today. So how we do that around here is um, we're going to sing this song. And when we do, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's the only requirement we have. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you put your faith and trust in him. I want to invite you to come and to take the bread and take the cup. And then you can take that back to your seat. You can take that together with your family. You can come here and kneel at the altar and spend some time praying with God. Maybe you need to just do some business with God before you take the bread and the cup. The Bible says we need to do that. But this is a time where we're gonna give you time to respond. You can come take the bread and the cup or you can do that and then sing, you can pray. But don't miss out on this. You don't have to stay stuck. We don't have to be stuck. We can choose to trust God and allow God to take us and to do in and through us everything he has in mind, even if we don't fully understand how it's all gonna work out. Will you stand with me as we pray? Father God, we come to you in this moment. And God, we just give this time to you. God, I know that there are people here who, you know, like I do in my life, are struggling to understand. And God, maybe some feel stuck. But God, as we take the Lord's Supper, we're reminded of your love for us and the sacrifice of Jesus. We're reminded of the power of his presence in us. And so, God, whatever we need to do this morning to respond to you, if we need to pray and give over to you that situation we're going through that we don't understand, I pray we do that. If we need to take the Lord's Supper and just be reminded today of your love for us, I pray we would do that. We give you this time. We open our heart and life to you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come take the elements.